are listening to Loud on the Set with Kyle and James. A level-headed movie critic meets a loud-mouthed movie cynic. And action! All right, welcome back to the show. My name is Kyle. This is James. And today, James, what are we doing? Reviewing the reviewers. Ah, yes. Keeping them honest, Kyle. Keep them honest. Reviewing the reviewers. So, what does that mean exactly? Well, you and I have talked about in the past, um, we've had this idea for a while, and that is, like, what is happening in the world of movie reviewing? Mm -hmm. And I think the idea was birthed by you criticizing reviewers with your classic phrase at this point, you, sir, are on the take. (laughs) You, ma'am, are on the take. And you were saying that in reaction to a specific movie, which we'll get into later. I remember Mm -hmm. the movie. We'll get into it oh, later. Good. We'll do some, some specifics. Excellent. Uh, but we want to review the reviews. It's a movie podcast. Yes. And part of the movie going experience nowadays is checking the reviews. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I don't know about nowadays. It's been that way for a while. But whatever. You get the idea. Yeah. You used to be able to look through a newspaper and see your local, you know, idiot townsfolk reviews, right? Of... You know, whatever dumb thing is happening. But now there's just review. I mean, everyone has a voice on the internet and can put an opinion. You made a great joke uh, on another podcast talking about where you consulted the authority and looked at some YouTube comments, you know. (laughs) But that's where so much of this information is coming from now is all these different places. Who has the most Twitter followers? And then what did they say about it? And that can have huge impact and sway over you know, the success and failure of different films or different types of really anything in the world nowadays. But movies are so interesting because the experience of films, I don't know about you historically for me, but when you're done with it, you want to, nobody just comes out of a movie and goes, yeah, and high fives and then like, you know, feels the emotion they felt and just moves on. Everybody talks about it. You want to yep. talk about it and discuss it. And I don't know, I guess gain something from it for that time to be worthwhile. Uh, that's at least the way I've approached it. I don't know. What about you? I agree with you. Um, we'll get into this more later, but the you know you asked me earlier. You know why does this exist? What's the point? Mm-hmm. Why do we? You, you mentioned everybody's got a voice on the internet. There's your Joe Schmo from the newspaper is now a blog, and there's mm-hmm. reviews, and there's YouTube comments, and there's everything, 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 and there's aggregator sites for reviews. All right, so why do we? Why do? Why does anybody do it? We'll talk about that. And we'll talk about why we do it. Yeah. I want to get into that. Excellent. We will, but I want to say that for the end. Perfect. All right? So, where should we begin? Well, for Christ's sakes, uh, (laughs) 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 I think you could tell the tone that I go into this with. Yes. Uh, I I see a good starting point in that when, (laughs) (laughs) naturally, when you see something like this, we inherently want to kind of review it and validate different parts of it, you know? Yeah. Um, and every once in a while, you hit on something that's just kind of universally acclaimed we can go with here. Mm-hmm. Um, and when we first started talking about movies, it was just, you know, shooting the shit about fun films that we saw or that we didn't see or that we thought were going to suck. And inherently, after we saw the movie, we kind of self-graded it. And then you want to share that experience with people and you can describe things. But unless they actually go and see the movie, you know, we kind of stamp a a grade on it just to give people an idea of like what to expect from it, you know. So do a little simple grading scale. And I think, you know, zero to ten and everybody, you have to kind of assign a value to something for it to 
reach the most people that you can, you know, because not everybody's going to read everything or uh, or see everything, but they kind of want to be in the know about something was good or bad or affected, you know, society or people in a certain way. So kind of assigning a score to it in a way inherently helps it reach and be more relevant to people. So I think that's kind of like the basis of the reviewing idea and, and talking and being able to communicate all those ideas. And we do it a little bit more in depth when we have like a specific conversation in depth about a movie. Um, but then it kind of comes down to quantifying it somehow. It does. And uh, that, that quantifying of a movie acts as a guide for a lot of people who will go to movies or not go to movies based on that score, mm-hmm. based on that scale. And uh, I don't know. So you would think that that's the you would think that's the point, right? You would think that oh, like movie reviews exist to help guide people in their decision making, or I don't know, or for entertainment purposes, whatever the reasons may be. But I, I the reason I started out when you said so, where do we begin from here? I was like, oh, for Christ's sakes, is <laughs> because I don't I don't think that's the case at all. Right? I don't think it is either. And you know, let's be honest here. This is a this is a movie podcast. It's a comedy podcast, and. It's uh, the movie Cynic and the level-headed movie Critic, but the movie Cynic is here, as usual. And it's like anything else where you introduce money into it. It fucks it up. It sure does. It corrupts the hell out of it. And so now, you know, Kyle introduced me to the concept of, like, um, I don't know if I'm going to even refer to it correctly, but that some studio houses can, like, purchase reviews. Mm-hmm. Are you fucking kidding me you know yeah it's essentially kind of the process now you know a film is going to be bad if there are no reviews leading up to the week that it's released you just unless it's an independent film if it is coming out of hollywood and it's big budget and you haven't seen any reviews yet you know it's going to be bad because they send out pre-copies to reviewers that they know are going to eat up whatever that they have um, so you, so it, when it was a huge deal when things like Rotten Tomatoes and Metacritic and all these aggregation sources like you were talking about, it was a really big thing when you'd see like a flat 100% on something, you know, you weren't expecting leading up to like a week. And then the moment the movie came out, it would drop down to like 60 or balance out to, you know, a, a middle of the road uh, situation. So it was almost like whoever was anticipating, they would look at the reviews for that week and go see the movie and get kind of hoodwinked into seeing something that was, you know, inherently not what they were actually expecting it to be. Well, to piggy on the point that you just made about... <laughs> oh, I need to request that one. Uh, um, about not allowing the critics to see it beforehand, the poster child of modern day for that is Suicide Squad, where... where Articles were newspapers like, oh, the studio is actually refusing to send out advanced copies. Mm-hmm. They knew. They knew. How fucking garbage So they were was. hiding it. And they were hiding it like a bunch of... <laughs> anyway. Hiders. Like a bunch of <laughs> hiders and with a seek... Oh, that joke went nowhere. Um, that analogy joke went nowhere. But here's the, the interesting thing about all of this. Being a creator and having made shit myself, the worst thing in the world is people critiquing your shit. So I get it. I totally understand. And I think the idea of criticism is important, but with it, you have to understand that inherently everything has a value because of the time and work that's been put into it. Does it have good value or a lot of value? No, but it can be criticized 
any which way you want to look at it and you want to spin it because of the work and the thought that goes into making anything. The amount of time and labor that goes into putting anything on the screen you can talk about and analyze. Um, does that mean that they're all good movies? Absolutely not. Um, and the idea of criticism is so important to, just like you were saying, keeping things honest, making yeah. sure that that we're not being manipulated. And I think that's exactly what we're starting to see in a pretty yes. big way with you know a, the subtle influence of money. Before, it was more blatant. And I think that these services, again, like Rotten Tomatoes and Metacritic and these aggregation sources, which, by the way, I've used forever and have loved them, and they have informed so much of my movie-watching experience, and i found so many good movies through these sources. But what becomes a challenge is when you start to see that that balance thrown off. The minute you could notice that big money had an effect, and now it has a more subdued, subtle effect where you won't see those big drastic changes because the medium exposed to the problem and now they're adapting to it. So we have some examples, of course, that we can come up with later. But when you start to see very just slightly above average reviews kind of across the board for things that you've walked out of the movie theater and have gone, well, that sucked. And then you look <laughs> at the reviews and you see kind of where it is. And it's at a place where it's just enough to satisfy that you were in a club of people that represent, you know, a deep thought or analysis about the film, but not so much that you don't say to yourself, well, those people probably just, you know, enjoyed just even going to the movie or the experience of whatever. So there's so much rationale. And I think, again, I haven't read up about this or anything, but I think there's a lot of psychology and analysis that's going on the part of studios to understand these sources and how people are getting the information about the movies and then using special tactics and advertising within critical reviews and within the review process to, uh, to kind of distort the reality of what their films actually represent. Well, everything you just said was beautiful. I agree with most of it. I'm going to disagree with one thing. Okay. And you're saying that it's subtle. Now, maybe it's subtle to your average slack-jawed goofball out there, you know? <laughs> yes. But to me, it's so fucking blatant. But I have a cynical eye for it, though. Yes. And so what do I mean by that? I mean, if I go on to – and fuck it. We're keeping them honest, right? It's time Keep to start naming honest. names. It's time to start <laughs> naming names, baby. Sorry, you know? Uh, Rotten Tomatoes. If I go on to Rotten Tomatoes before a movie has been, been released mm-hmm. and all the friggin' banner images along the top headline, the sides – are all Guardians of the Galaxy 2, <laughs> what are the chances that they're going to give that an honest, cynical, critical thought? Yeah. Zero. Mm-hmm. You know? And so, I don't think it's subtle at all. I think it's fucking, we're being manipulated on a massive scale and it's and it's right in my fucking face and I hate being a victim of it, Kyle, because you know yes. me, I'm, I'm, I like to know that my shields are strong. Indeed. But I've been suckered in a couple of times uh, most recently, and we're not going to harp on it, don't worry. Not going to harp on this, <laughs> listeners. But Arrival, a movie that was not even in my anywhere, right? Not on my radar. I never even heard of it. And one day I just kind of like, I, I guess, wandered onto Rotten Tomatoes somehow, and it was so fucking hyped up. Yeah. You know? Before it came out. Uh huh. Like, holy shit. Everybody's, yeah. everybody's talking about this movie that's not even out yet. 
and the banner images look a certain way and yada yada yada. It's already certified fresh somehow. I don't yeah, know. If, I don't exactly. know if that happens. Yeah, but, but it does happen. That absolutely. I don't know does if it gets happen. certified, but it already has a score mm-hmm. somehow. And that's exactly Fuck yeah. I I totally agree with what you're saying. And I should have phrased as more subtle than what it was before because now it's a it's a masterclass in manipulation. When before they kind of just thought they could get away with a kind of a, a more blatant approach, which was just. Uh, how it was you know it's kind of all or nothing and now they're trying to use other taxes to get in in between but again i don't know i don't know if rotten tomatoes or any of these sources actually employ people to to write certain reviews or anything but Uh i know that they collect reviews from everywhere so what does that mean that means that now they have these like quote top reviewers who if they're not directly related to or paid by Rotten Tomatoes or any of these sources, then they're the ones that they're going to as their top critics that hold more weight in their algorithms and things. You think they get paid? No, I don't think that they get paid by these people, but I think that their influence now holds more weight and inherently in some way that gives them more profit or credibility or something i don't know how i don't know how it all works either but it's the phenomenon is here and you can see it easily let's address a couple of examples to give to give some context for something do you have any specific examples that you wanted to address well in a uh yeah in a way i did uh i already mentioned arrival i was a total rotten tomato victim of that (laughs) fucking you know of that whole uh process that you just that we just described of like banners and and scores before the fact and all that stuff um oh i'm gonna drop another name here here it goes uh you know the guys that do honest trailers the screen junkies yes. crew, right uh-huh. all right those honest trailers are entertaining as all hell yada 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 but they also do the occasional movie review and and they're just unbearably long i don't watch hardly any of them like <laughs> an hour and 20 of like movie fights who would win like hulk versus fucking nemo like <laughs> Like, what are you talking about? Anyway, um, in light of Jurassic World ah. and how they took it easy on Jurassic World, mm-hmm. we were, I was like, what the fuck? And then, you know, we make fun of it, but you scroll down to the authority, which is the YouTube comment section. <laughs> but you get a, you, you at least get a sampling of the population, mm-hmm. a little sampling, not scientific by any means, but at least it's not a bunch of people who are now, in fact, paid and have paid advertisers. Yeah. So something that I thought for the longest time, this whole like, oh, these guys get together and they make funny trailers and they're even like raunchy at times and yada yada, is now a total like homogenized, flattened out, shitty version of its former self. Mm -hmm. And so they can't ever be honest about something, you know? They can't just be like, they can't be dismissive. They have to, everything has to get like this baseline consideration, which I think you were talking about, um, well, you talked about off, uh, outside the studio a little Mm -hmm. while ago. You're like, yeah, like this sort of, 50 to 70 percentile rating is right. when when someone like you and I like true critics would be like fucking zero yeah. you know zero yeah. <laughs> but you can't you can't be like these motherfuckers suck and they're totally you know it's corporations doing cash goods you can't do that and expect Citigroup to keep mm-hmm. sponsoring your fucking honest trailers right right so get exactly. that yeah you see what I'm saying you see where this conversation's leading <laughs> right exactly so I think one of the things that's that's different now too is the scale has adjusted to the point where you can kind of remove a big section of it just by getting butts in the seats by by getting people there and showing up and making money 
however you do it, even if it's with a bad movie, you can kind of eliminate the bottom part of the spectrum, you know? It's only the movies that really tank and the companies that do really bad, they kind of get those extremely low scores, like across the board. Mm -hmm. But when something is is not up to standard, it can kind of rest in that that minimum kind of area between like the 60 to 100 range. You know, they can chop it up. It's like the scale has been condensed to one side. And I don't exactly know why, again, that's working the way that it is, but... It, it's really interesting. It's like everything kind of exists on its own. I, it gets like considered in a different way of where it's coming from if it's successful. It's actually it's quite similar to what you see in, in all like corporate controlled news and stuff like that. It's like there's a very narrow band of acceptable topics to talk about. You know, like if you're watching news, it's yeah, it's totally acceptable to be like, oh, like you'll have retired generals on to talk about a missile launch and all that stuff. But there's never the person that's on the extreme other end of that spectrum. Like, how about no missile launch? <laughs> yeah, you know? right. It's always like, was this a was this a true strength of, of sh- show of strength or was this like a subtle show of strength? Yeah. How about don't... You see what I'm saying? You know, like, <laughs> the, exactly the, the same thing exists in movies now. Like, there's a very clearly identified sort of sector of movies and movie-making studios mm-hmm. that are the easy beat-em-ups. Right. Right? And so, oh, yeah, every time a Rob Schneider movie comes out, yeah... Uh, have we all agreed that we could beat up on that? Yeah? Mm-hmm. It's okay to put that in the 20s and the teens? Okay, good. Yeah. But until that consensus exists, uh, these these sort of these phony balonies out there will continue to put everything middle of the road or really high. Like it's... Because it's, it's safe. Right. It, it's, it's self-fulfilling. Safe. That's it's exactly like, it. Yeah. We're, we're analyzing this and getting to the point as we move along. Because yeah. for these people that are getting aggregated into top reviewing you know, sectors on Rotten Tomatoes and other places, you know... Their career and their credibility yep, yep. hinges on what scores they're going to get. And if they're the dissenting voice against the Marvel Empire of, uh, you know, and the of whatever, you know, next Disney film is going to come out with. Goodbye. Where you're yep. out of it, you know, yep. your your credibility is going to be so far different from. You have to prove that you're not going to rock the boat. Mm-hmm. And you could, again, not to get too political and whatnot, because it's supposed to be a movie comedy podcast. But same thing happens on cable news. It's like the minute a guest gets on there and, and, and is like a really strong anti-war advocate or something like that, all the people behind the scenes are like, okay, we'll never invite this person on ever again. Yeah. You know? Anybody that gets out of line and does mm-hmm. things like, well, like what are we talking about here and actually challenges the narrative, that you'll never see them again. Yep. Hence and- like Ralph Nader and Noam Chomsky mm-hmm. and yeah, yeah, like Phil Donahue. These people – are never invited onto any shows, right? And this is, exactly, and yeah. this is what we're seeing now because these these sites and everything exist in everybody's hands, everybody's hands yep. now. This isn't the New York Times paper or, a, you know, inside the actor's studio, James Lipton's going to tell you about a film and its merit and everything mm-hmm. because if, if they only took, you know, the highest film critics that have studied and analyzed this shit their whole lives oh, and they God. and they plopped him in front of Ant-Man and they said value this they would <laughs> they would be like uh it is certainly not hang on we got Rotten Tomatoes up here right now and again I'm I right, it's time to get specific let's get I specific use, let's do it I use Rotten Tomatoes I like Rotten Tomatoes we're and now we're analyzing the depths of this right. let's see what Ant-Man's got on Rotten Tomatoes let's find this out because we uh notoriously shat on Ant-Man yeah Holy shit. You've got to be kidding me. This is higher than when we saw it before. 
this is higher. When we that is weird because when we saw this, look at this. How is there an average rating of six point eight out of ten and yet eighty one percent? That doesn't make sense. What are, these, what are the units? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what does this mean? Yeah, you're okay, absolutely right. To Ant Man's score is an eighty one percent of aggregated you know reviews on Rotten Tomatoes. The audience score eighty six percent. Okay. So what does this mean? You plop down all the critics in front of Ant-Man. We've talked Ant-Man. I feel like we we can analyze Ant-Man uh-huh. and look at this. And what does it bring to the table and as a movie and everything? Is it anywhere close to an 81%? Absolutely not. No. No. And anyone would tell you that. But that's the, that's the main issue, you know, is now everybody can say anything and people that actually take the time to care about this stuff are, you know, going to be outnumbered by the people that just went and had a good time and confuse that with the quality of the film that they're watching. Because Marvel and Disney are able to get people in the seats and for it to be successful, then it's better. Success directly correlates to the score of the film. I bet we could analyze that and deep data mine it, but... I promise that, of course, that holds some huge sway. Who gets to write the reviews at the end of the day if not, you know, the people that are getting money and being paid and, you know, supported? Let's do another one, Kyle. Type in Jurassic World. Jurassic World. Let's go back to where where it all began. (laughs) Where it all began. Jurassic World. Let's find out. Yeah, nobody wants to be be on the outside looking in, right? Mm -hmm. Everybody wants access Everybody wants to be part of the big club. Yeah. And so you'll never say anything. You'll never... All right, read it. Read it. 71% critic score for Jurassic World. 78% audience score. And again, even though its average rating is 6.7 out of 10. <laughs> so how, how does this... I don't know. Math here? I don't know. Jesus. The, the top review. The characters are all paper thin, but that doesn't matter because their sole purpose is to be chomped. That, that comes a top to, that critic. Comes from, that comes from J.R. Jones of yes. Chicago. We, we got to give credit. You can't just read Thanks, J.R. Jones. Yeah. Um, look at that. So, I mean, how can... If one person can say that about the movie that's a, a top critic, and you can land with a 71%, then what even is a movie anymore, and how do we even value it? Because if the characters are paper thin, but people are enjoying the movie because they're getting chomped... Well, you know what, what are we even talking about here? What anymore? you just what you just said. I'm going to focus more on the rating, not the yes. not the, the the thing the that is the movie itself, but the ratings. Like, okay, uh, most of the really sophisticated professional critics would agree that it's garbage to use my mm-hmm. scale, right? Yes. Uh, and then the average rating is a six. So we have like that consensus exists that it's that's that is terrible, right? Then you have an average rating of six point seven, but then you have a seventy one percentile of something, right? <laughs> And then you have a little tomato icon next to it, which also is a visual indicator like, hey, this movie's all right. It doesn't have the big flashy certified shit. So there we have like essentially four levels of like a rating for one movie and none of them are correlated with one another. Is there enough on the screen to get you to see the movie? Yeah. (laughs) Oh, because then the audience has a little popcorn bucket next to it. But the popcorn's upright. It's not spilled over. So the people (laughs) kind of agree. Yeah. Look at this. The, if you mouse over the tomato meter, it says the percentage of approved oh. tomato meter critics who have given this movie a positive review. And there you have it. Approved. Approved critics, 
positive review. How much? How more? How much? Oh fuck! Kai, help me out here. I was gonna try. How, how much? How vague can you get? How vague can you get? Who's approved? Who's what does been, positive mean? Who's been censored? You know? Oh my god! <laughs> Keeping them honest. This is all very fascinating. Uh, yeah. And we're we're nearly out of time here. Is there anything else you'd like to well, look here's up the on thing. the tomato meter? I said no. I don't want to look anything else up. But I wanted to send. I wanted to since we're getting to the end. Yes. Here, stuff that I saved for the end. Yes. I said I want to talk about that at the end. Yes. Because when we brainstormed this topic, one of the questions you proposed to me was well, what is the mission statement of a place like Rot- a place, of a site like Rotten Tomatoes or what's the point where where what is the mission statement and where are they now and with a place like Rotten Tomatoes I could say I think anyway I don't know perhaps it started out as a movie review site mm-hmm. but now it's a hype machine yes all right exactly um and and I I'm assuming because it ends in .com that it's a money-making enterprise and it sells advertising space and lots of so like anything else, it's it's objective or its mission is to make money. Yes. Okay. Now let's compare that. Uh, ditto, by the way, with fucking screen junkies and all the other right. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Now let's get into a bunch of schmoes like you and I. Sure. Right. What's the mission statement of Lounge Set? <laughs> Nothing. Right. Like. Right. We're two individuals who, you know, or, or why do they do it? Or where are we now? We're exactly the same spot we started. In. That's we exactly. Get together. Right. We have fun. And we record shit. And we talk about movies. And we talk about movies. Arguably much more honest than Fuck yeah. <laughs> anything that you're going to find, you know, online. All right. So now let me, let me be a Which little bit... Which is ironic since we're online. Yeah. Let me be a little <laughs> bit more articulate about it, right? Sure. Uh, why do we do it? We do it for ourselves. Mm-hmm. And we are honest and true to ourselves. We do it for the people we know mm-hmm. because we've been told that they're, you know few hundred let's be honest there's a few hundred people out there to like it there are so we do it for those people uh many do we do, we do it for point. the advertising dollars yeah that big uh frito money coming in well no the answer is no but brought to you by the, the, the cool ranch doritos yeah the, 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 <laughs> uh note they're never a dollar exactly. for, cool ranch doritos. for all the jokes that we've dropped over time about cool ranch doritos skittles snow caps lacroix m&ms that's just a sampling not a single cent. In fact, fuck all those companies. Let's just say it right now. So no, we do it for ourselves, for the people, because it's entertaining, it's interesting, it's fun. No advertising dollars. And we don't advertise ourselves at all. Mm-hmm. And so why do we do it? Because it's fun. Because yeah. we enjoy it. We have no loyalties except mm-hmm. to each other and to our fans. And we like to do this. It's fun to talk about. Why do Why do any of the other places you go to that click on it? Because they to make money. Mm-hmm. Now, when I first started using Rotten Tomatoes, it was a haven for me because it did exactly what it was designed to do, which was before any, you know, studios or movies were wise to it, it was putting together a compilation of people's opinions and, you know, writing for different organizations and things. So whatever, there's influence there too. But it put together an honest compilation of the the aggregate scores of what people thought of the films and it was way more honest a while ago and now if you look back through at like the top movies of all time on their website you would be floored by the <laughs> amount of them that are either classics that nobody can say anything bad about because they just can't or it's a new movie that everybody is saying is impressive for exactly the same reasons that would contradict an old movie in that 
we're just better at making movies now. So your average film now, if you compare it to something else in the past, is made better in nearly every single way. So there's such a a confused logic to it all now. But I used to use this all the time and would, you know, base my whole decision on seeing like a new director's film by, you know, what the score said. And now I don't, you know, I don't trust it. I look at it, of course, a lot as a reference and mainly for the intrigue of going into the movie and being like texting James and saying, hey, this (laughs) arrival got a 91%. Let's go find out what's going on here. And then coming out of the film and being like, huh, underwhelmed, you know? It's It's fun to look at those things and to analyze this stuff now, especially when it's blown up. It's got, it's gotten huge. You see it Yep. Advertised everywhere. Same thing with Metacritic. Metacritic uh, historically has been much harsher than Rotten Tomatoes too, from what I've seen. So interesting. It's a lot of a lot of interesting stuff happening. Well, here. you know, we, we've been pretty harsh here today, but hey, keep them honest. Yeah, keep them honest. <laughs> uh, I use Rotten Tomatoes. I go straight to the section where they've compiled some of the critics from like the from the Boston Globe and from mm-hmm. the New York Magazine, yada yada. And I just cl- and the only ones I click on are the ones where the, the tomatoes splattered. Yeah, because <laughs> to me that's like yeah, these are the people being honest, uh-huh. like the, the eternal optimists out there that put shiny. Well, that's the thing. I don't know. I don't even know how they assign the splatter mark versus the shiny tomato. Because sometimes I click on a splatter mark one, and it's positively like complimentary at times, you know. Mm-hmm. But they, I don't know. They extract like one or two sentences from the yeah. review and chuck it up there on the screen, and then that. So I don't know. We're just here staring at the fucking screen now. It's an interesting... <laughs> it is weird. I'm, I'm kind of like hypnotized by it because yeah. it's it's an interesting vehicle now. And I don't know if... I mean, if they know exactly what it is or that it's being manipulated in the way... The, the people whose ideas and the movie lovers behind this are, of course, not the same people that are that are mastering it for value. And, I'm a, yeah. And there's there's other hands at work here, um, including like all these studios and everything. The way the the movie industry is is absolutely insane. We all know that, and and the money that's going through it and everything. But it's just so interesting to look at this stuff and the idea of reviews because we want to know if something's good or sucks, right? <laughs> we don't want to waste our time, and I feel like that's kind of the bottom line. Is I don't want to waste my time. And I used to use these as a source to know that I wasn't wasting my time. And now I don't think you can trust it in that manner. I think you can use it for all sorts of other things, but not that. I that, That's a great point, Kyle. Yeah. I'm going to quote you. It was a tool. <laughs> it used to be a tool that you could use pre-movie going experience. Mm-hmm. And now, to me, it's, it's more useful, these review sites, as a post-movie watching tool to see like... Well, what kind of language is useful in describing movies? I use it like for, for that, you know. Yeah. But as a guide, no, 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 no. Interesting. Here, I'm gonna tell one last story, and then we'll get out okay. of here. Okay. And that's this. This is where I can direct my anger. <laughs> Fucking went to the movies the other day just because I was bored, and out of cultural curiosity, and because I have a podcast, and sometimes I have duty to my fans, and yada yada yada, <laughs> I went to go see Guardians of the Galaxy two. All right, now I didn't check its Rotten Tomatoes shit. I know it was all over the fucking Rotten Tomatoes website in the weeks leading up to it, you know, mm-hmm. and it had a pre-release score and everything. It was probably a fucking hundred and thirty. Did they break past a hundred? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Whatever, they probably do. Um, no, they don't. I just see hundreds everywhere. 
Anyway. Too many hundreds on that screen. Yeah, look at that. Anyway. Are all of those hundreds or 90s? Is The Leftovers Season 3 really a 98% for television? I don't even know what that is. The scale is so warped. It's not bad to be a 40%, you know? Like... (laughs) We've we've manipulated the scale. Anything yeah. below like seventy feels like a failure to people. You know, you can't start small, and you, everything has to be big. Anyway, continue. Yeah, all right. So I, I go to the season. Too many right? hundreds. Within the first, I'm not even kidding. I'll try to do this without spoiling. <laughs> but within the first five minutes, I had already written the movie off. I I, oh, I wanted to walk out, but the problem is I paid money. I was like, well, I at least got to get my money. I think, and I had nobody to walk out with, which would have made it spectacular, <laughs> right? I would have walked out like a loser. Uh, but within the first five minutes, I was sitting there like, I'm watching a fucking toy commercial. Oh. You know what I mean? Mm. I think you get the idea. I do. Two words for you. Baby Groot. <laughs> I was like, what am I subjecting myself to right now? You know? I swear to God, the fir- like, beyond the first scene, which sort of sets things up, the, the opening credits is like a three and a half minute long Baby Groot toy commercial. I'm not even... It's so obscene and so overtly in your fucking face. You have no idea. Well, I'll see And it. I, I, so I watched the movie. <laughs> I, I totally check out. I totally check out of the movie so quickly into it. I couldn't even believe it. And then the movie's so garbage. It's garbage. <laughs> and then I get home and I go on to Rotten Tomatoes and it's, go type it in. It'll be the last thing we do here, okay. right? It'll be the last thing we do. I guarantee you it scores like in the fucking 90s. And this movie, Oh, only 81%. 81%. And yet somehow certified fresh. And a 90% audience score. And again, here we go. Average rating of the critics is 7.1 out of 10, and somehow the tomato meter is at 81. What What does this all mean? What does this all mean? But, yeah, the, oof. Anyway. Very, very interesting. So when we it's got... It's so bad. I'm <laughs> such a... I'm, I, I, am I overly cynical? It was... Horrible. Guardians of the Galaxy 1 has a 91%. Whatever. And an average rating of 7.8 out of 10. <laughs> <laughs> what is this? So there are, at least, there are at least, there's a sampling of critics out there that at least factored into that little, that tinier font that's in yes. gray. Uh-huh. And kind of like, uh, here's a little more honesty. It's like, yeah. like totally, here's, here's how the rank. Kind the, of honesty. Yeah, here's how, the, here's how the rankings read. Like, totally full of shit. A, a morsel of honesty and then when you scroll down to the individual reviews if there's a splatter mark you might get someone that's like this is horrible and you know? then of course you have the unapproved critics that didn't even make the cut to you know show up on the website yeah interesting and that's where you get Kyle that's where you find that's where you find Loudon set with Kyle James that's where we are yeah <laughs> so when we got started you yeah. said that you had one movie that you remembered uh, me talking about with this concept, the the tomato meter thing. Do you remember what that was? No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, with that, we're out of time. <laughs> Thank you all for listening. Tell us what you think. This is an interesting uh, idea, uh, yeah. conversation. What do you think of Rotten Tomatoes, Screen Junkies, IMDb, Metacritic? We kind of focus a lot on RT, yes. Rotten Tomatoes, but there's, they're everywhere. System, and, systematic problem. And I, I use systemic, Rotten Tomato because, honestly, I open up the Rotten Tomato app on my phone at least once a day. Like, what? That's how I, I mean, I'm into movies, and we talk Jesus, about movies, man. so I'm thinking about, I don't even know what movies are coming out, so I open it up just to look at, you know, what's going to come out in a couple of weeks. So mm-hmm. that's like my hub for, you know, release dates and things, so everything's kind of packed in there, and they know that. So that's that's where it is all at right now. 
So it's interesting. Oh, wait, I got one last comment. Yes. When it comes to, so we'll pick on somebody else. The Honest Trails folks, right? Yes. If you remember the oldest versions of Honest Trails, they would go back and do things like Honest Trailer for Top Gun, Honest Trailer for, mm -hmm. I think their very first one was Star Wars Episode 1, The Phantom Menace, years after that movie came out. Now all their Honest Trails are about upcoming things. Mm -hmm. You're like, okay, if, if Finding Dory's coming out, they'll do Honest Trail, Finding Nemo. Or they'll do honest trails for movies that have just finished their, their cinematic run and are quickly available on DVD. So they don't, they're not bothering to go back into the past because mm -hmm. they're part of that, like, keep the hype going. It's so they have to stay ultra, like, mega current, mm -hmm. you know? And they don't curse really that much anymore. And they certainly don't make, like, sexual innuendo jokes. All the raunchy shit that we could still do because we're... Yeah. We have freedom of expression. We do. We're not tied down by snow caps. That's right. <laughs> Fucking snow caps. And that is a whole interesting conversation in and of itself involving the YouTube algorithm. And for for the creators... Monetized clips versus non, right? For the creators on YouTube that have been making things since YouTube has been around, the algorithm and the entire business model has shifted in some extremely dramatic ways. There's yep. so many. There's so much information out there. Definitely look it up because it's interesting. Um, and people that are creating things are being they used to have freedom are kind of being manipulated into you know whatever engine that they need now, which is to promote agendas that are outside of their own control to you know have a livelihood that they used to have. It's very interesting. That's another episode. The yeah. YouTube algorithm talk about because YouTube has as much of a sway in movies now as anything else. So it's it's very interesting. Anyway, <laughs> loud on the set with Kyle and James. Always with Kyle and James. We'll be here. Uh, yeah. Just us. No snow caps. <laughs> <laughs> Making it happen. Send us a mail. Loud on the set at gmail.com. Let us know what you think. Find us on YouTube and iTunes. <laughs> And anywhere you find podcasts, I promise you one thing, ain't making no money through YouTube, that's for sure. <laughs> so go out there, enjoy some movies, let us know what you think, have a good time. See you later. And cut.